Welcome to a football show, Thursday edition, off after the 4th of July holiday. Hope everybody had a great holiday weekend. I am Braden. That is Zach. Zach, how are you, sir? Good to see you on this July 7th, Thursday afternoon. And I look good. I mean, look at me right now. Here I am at the Cast Collective studio in their in construction, or not, maybe in m- middle of design of their secondary studio. So they have two studios, and they have all kinds of event space here, too, at Cast Collective Studios in the heart of Nashville, downtown Music Row. You're way better at that than I am. Uh, TheCastCollective.com, of course, cast underscore collective on Instagram, which is where Zach is sitting. I am, of course, in the home office of the 440 Media Empire, uh, which is just this room, basically, <laughs> here in my house. Uh, so we're excited. Very about important documents all throughout your yeah. room. Oh, dude. They're, they're hidden they're, everywhere. There are many important files. And some of them are actually in the computer, Zach. Like, they're in the computer. Whoa. Uh, one of my favorite scenes from Zoolander of all time, where they're trying to break into the computer to get the files out. Yes. I um, love it. Welcome to the show, by the way, of course. Brought to you by the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. If you're going to do work on your house, I don't know why my thumb is doing this. If you're going to do work on your house. Is that the Bill Clinton? I, I, think, <laughs> I think it is. Listen, it's a loose show today, okay? It's a holiday week. I like it. We're coming off a break. We haven't talked much together lately, so I'm excited here. I'm doing a Bill Clinton finger here. If you're going to do something about your house, you're going to make a big decision. I know my wife wants to do like a million things to our house all the time. And if you're going to do that, talk to the Kingston Group. Just talk to them. Have a conversation with them. They will advise you. They'll be, they can, they're will be they a nose-to-tail organization. They can start from design and, and, and actual drawings and implementation and cost and budget and get you all the way to the end. You don't need to use a single independent contractor. They got you covered. No confusion, no concerns, no questions. Buildkg.com. That's the Kingston I, I am confused, and I do have a question. Oh, Nose to tell. Why not head to toes? I, I think they both work. Do they? Um, I mean, because you're starting here, you've kind of undercut Kingston Group's quality by not going from head to toe. Well, I think nose so. To tell. Well, that's true, but it's a food, it's, a, it's an animal reference. Nose okay. to tail is a, like, I eat the pig, Nose to tail. Uh, gotcha. I eat the cow. Nose to tail. Like I like beef cheeks. You know, I'm okay. Like the fish. Nose to tail. So get it. Uh, but you're right. Head to toe would be the human version of that. Yes. Um, if you're talking about barbecue, which is always top of mind for me, uh, then I am nose to tail. I'm, I'm, I eat all of it. Give me all the parts yeah. in between the nose and the tail. Um, all right. So today on the show, uh, the Tennessee Titans war on nerds. We are going to have what I would call the most thoughtful conversation about John Robinson and the term analytics anywhere in the multiverse. I'm not even sure what the multiverse is, but I'm pretty sure the conversation you and I will have today, hopefully, will put some things to bed and some things to rest about John Robinson, the Titans, and analytics. And of Correct. course, and of course, we're going to spend a lot of today's show on the future of the SEC. What does it all look like? What does it all mean? Where are we going to go from here? Uh, we'll try to give you a, a PhD, if you will, on the future of the SEC. Uh, what should people do if they want to get involved in the show, Zach? They need to go to YouTube, go to Twitter, Follow 440 Sports, subscribe, turn on notifications, do whatever you need to do to make sure that you are not missing out on any of these broadcasts and sharing the broadcast to all your friends. I mean, there we got all it. kinds of content. I mean, we got such a packed show that we had to actually cut down about four or five topics like right before we went on. That's how that's how much information we have <laughs> on the cutting room floor because we are the world's best one hour show at 1 p.m. in Tennessee. Uh, world, World's best. World's, world's best. best. World's best 1 p.m. show in the state of Tennessee, uh, live streaming on the internet. Uh, Stony Keeley, loyal listener, check out check out the show. So Bros Network, uh, head to tail on a human, nose to tail on a dog, except for 
I'm not I, eating dog. Yeah, so. I mean, that's a, what you do at the Chinese restaurants is all up to you. Wow. That's fine. It's, a, it's, it's fine. old joke. Old joke. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's still still good. Still, still good, good, Zach. <laughs> still good. Uh, all right, SEC. What do you want to know, man? What do you want to know about the SEC? Oh my gosh, there's so much to cover because since we last were on the show, we've almost let a, a week go by, and you know we got so much to cover. And I think at first, when we're talking about the SEC and college football as a whole, we got to talk about the Notre Dame domino effect because. Nothing of true importance is going to happen until really Notre Dame chooses where they're going to go. And don't you think that they are pretty much the main focal point for the next, I don't know, however so many months before they make a decision? Uh, 100%. They are the biggest commodity still on the market. And here's what's cool. The Big Ten wants them. The SEC doesn't want them to go to the Big Ten. Um, Because right now it's a two-horse race in college football. And if Notre Dame goes to the Big Ten... That is helping the other horse beat you, the SEC. So the SEC has vested interest in, the, in Notre Dame not going anywhere, which means they're going to allow them access to the playoff and to have their own TV rights and all these things so that they can be Notre Dame. Um, if the big, here's the thing: if they break away those act and they be, it becomes an SEC Big Ten breakaway, that is going to put and they and they have their own playoff. That is going to push Notre Dame into the arms of the Big Ten. So the SEC doesn't really want that, which could be a very good thing for college football writ large, because they're not going to join the ACC. The ACC desperately wants them, but they're not going to do it. And the other two leagues are like, you know, fighting for scraps right now, the big 12 and the PAC 12. So right now I think nothing's going to happen. Notre Dame's going to just sit back and it's big wow. old, lazy, big old lazy boy. And it's just going to smoke a cigar and, you know, read out of the old Testament and, and have some whiskey, maybe some, a Cabernet and like do nothing like the Notre, Notre Dame has nothing to do here. They're just going to stand firm and, I don't know what I don't know what leverage would would push them into a conference. And and you said just a few minutes ago, and I really want to go back to this. And we I wasn't really expecting this uh, statement from you, but you think it's best for college football that Notre Dame does not join the Big Ten? Well, I think it's best for college football for us to have a larger breakaway. So here here's what we're doing. We are. So you 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 think it's best for college football basically not to have a power two? Yes, yes. Because imagine if you take the top forty, let's say. Okay. And and those and those teams have their own playoff. That that leaves like 15 or 20 15 to 25 really good football programs that aren't even involved in the championship anymore. And I don't think that's good for the game. I think that would murder the underbelly of the game and the foundation of the sport and I think that like you can only consolidate so much at the top before you start alienating your fans. So what you need is because we're going to we're headed for a breakaway no matter what. The key is how many teams are involved. And if it's a 40 team breakaway that's just the sec and the big 10 well then the big then the big 10 is going to get notre dame but you're only missing five as it sits now when the other teams join these uh power two conferences you're only missing five teams that weren't that have been in the playoffs before so you're not missing a whole lot i don't I, I think the problem is, is that there's a lack of parity in college football, and I don't think it's going away anytime soon. And I don't think that you can have 10 conferences or you can have one conference. You're going to have the same teams there. And I don't know if the NIL is really going to change anything. No, I, I think you're right about that. I think the key is, is how did college football become popular? And it is not popular because Alabama and Georgia play in the national type championship game. It is popular because regionally, People in the Northwest love Washington State and Washington, and people in North Carolina love Duke and North Carolina, and people in Iowa love Iowa State and Iowa. Like that's the charm of the game that has built college football for fifty-five to hundred years, 
And right now, if we're headed towards a 40-team breakaway, that's not going to include the two teams that played in the ACC championship game last year. Like, you can't take away 30 teams from the sport and have it still function the same way. I think that is long-term. That is, This is what Greg Sankey said the entire time when he wanted expansion of the playoff. And he warned everybody about this. He said, the SEC is fine no matter what we do, but we're trying to expand the playoff for the betterment of the sport. And if the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the ACC would have voted to expand the playoff this time last year, we would not be sitting here with Texas and Oklahoma and USC, UCLA in other sports because they would have had automatic bids to the playoff and a 12-team playoff, and it would all be much better off than it is right now. So if the Big Ten were to lure Stanford over, which and the rumors are that Stanford being in the Big Ten would help I guess, um, help the idea for Notre Dame maybe to push them to maybe go to the Big Ten. Do you think there's any truth to that? Because then you would have Notre Dame would have their games against Stanford, Michigan, Purdue, Michigan State, USC, all in the same conference. A a little bit. I think that helps add some leverage to the Big Ten, for sure. But again, all that matters is if Notre Dame right now has a path to the playoff and can negotiate its own TV rights. And as long as it can do those two things, it doesn't give a shit about what conference you are or what where your teams are or who you have or where you're located geographically. As long as Notre Dame can do those two things, they're not going to join a conference. And so we're headed towards the Big Ten being the likeliest landing spot in the future. But again, I think that only happens if you have to be in the Big Ten to make the playoff, right? Like if you have to be in the SEC or the Big Ten to make the playoff, then Notre Dame's going to join the Big Ten. And the SEC right now doesn't want that. Okay, so let's. I found found this interesting because as I was doing my research and catching up on all, all the news of the weekend, is that the popular girls seem to be North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Big Ten wants them, SEC maybe wants them as well. Why specifically these two? Because why is Virginia? I kind of get North Carolina, even though I feel like Clemson would be the sexier pick of the two. But why Virginia Tech and the and UNC? So I. It is. It is uh, as the sun is coming out. Of course, here at, at uh, my house, I, I, I think. I think it is the state of Virginia and the state of North Carolina are the two battlegrounds that we are now going to see between the SEC and the Big Ten. And it is not about like market size or DMV yeah. or that kind of stuff. It is about recruiting footholds, recruiting territory. You want to control right now. The ACC is the only representative in Virginia and North Carolina, the states, and the amount of players that are coming out of the DC metro area all the way down to Rock Hill, South Carolina, like North Carolina and Virginia, those two areas. Not only are there a ton of people that will watch sports, but there are a ton of really good football players <laughs> that come out of those high schools. And neither of those conferences, the Big Ten or the SEC, has a has a, a hold of those. If you're the SEC, here's the other thing to consider because ESPN and Fox are the two people that are doing all of this stuff. They're the two entities that are driving all of this. ESPN also has the ACC network. So why would ESPN help facilitate the breakup of the ACC if it's pushing assets to the Big Ten, which is their competitor, Fox? So think about this. This is all warfare here. I think the SEC will strategically pick one or two schools that add to their footprint and recruiting stronghold and, and television base. To me, that's North Carolina, the most, the biggest brand in the state of North Carolina. And it is Virginia tech culturally because they fit in with the sec in every single part of the Virginia is a pleated khakis, sweater vest wearing big 10 school. Like it's not even close. 
And so is Duke, frankly. So what I think, if I was guessing, I would say North Carolina and Virginia Tech are the targets for the SEC. Duke and Virginia are the targets for the Big Ten because they both want those two states to to have to recruit from. Um, I, Clemson and Florida State are fascinating. They're great teams. They're great brands. But, you know, we, we kind of already have one of those in the SEC. Its name is Auburn. <laughs> so so uh, I, don't, I don't know how much they offer outside of, like, big name value. Which is well, very valuable. I will say this: Jim Delaney, before they brought in Maryland and Rutgers, was actually targeting these two schools, Virginia Tech and UNC. So I thought that was kind of interesting as well. When you go back yep. and look at the history of adding teams to conferences, those two were on the list. So it feels like they may have a leg up. But then there's the lure of the SEC, right? It's the it's the SEC. There's no one. There's no conference better. Again, go back to who's making these decisions. It is Fox and ESPN. That is who's making these decisions, along with chancellors and conference commissioners but the people driving it at the corporate level the big business level it's fox and espn espn does not want to lose acc assets to fox and if north carolina and duke for example were to leave to go to the big 10 no longer is duke north carolina on espn it's on fox and so they don't want to lose like they don't want one conference picking apart the other conference that they both own but at the same time, you don't want this conference going to the Big Ten and to Fox. So there's some vested interest for ESPN to be involved in this. And let's be honest, they're the ones driving the ship on this, too. Could you imagine the SEC basketball tournament with Duke, Kentucky, and UNC all in the same conference and here in Nashville? Oh, it'd be unbelievable. It would That's be also, insane. This is what the Big Ten is looking at because now they have Indiana, UCLA, Michigan State, Maryland, and they're, they're looking at potentially Kansas, Duke, and North Carolina. Can you imagine... UCLA, Indiana, oh, yeah. Indiana, UCLA, Kansas, Kentucky, and Duke, all, or uh, North Carolina and Duke, all being in the same league. The Big Ooh. Ten could could dominate basketball. Yeah. Not that that makes a lot of money, but you could. So you, you talk about Clemson, and you know they're in a, their Carolina school, and they're a competitive school in football because UNC, I feel like, is not that competitive like Clemson is. Why are these guys, these teams, these schools considered the other guys? They feel like they're. They're the third tier, right? It's like Notre Dame, then it's UNC, Virginia Tech, and then it's these guys. And I, I kind of get Miami and FSU when you're looking at it from a Florida Gators perspective, but I don't get the why the SEC wouldn't go get Clemson. Is Nick Saban afraid of Dabo Sweeney? <laughs> yes, yes, that's all it is. Nick Saban is terrified uh, of uh, of Dabo. Um, Oregon and Washington need to be made, you know, Notre Dame's number one, like you said, Oregon and Washington are probably going to be the fallback plan for the big 10. So let's just kind of keep that in mind as well. Um, I think it, Florida state to me is interesting. I think the sec would be dumb not to be approaching these schools because while you already have the South Carolina footprint, you already have the panhandle of Florida footprint, lower Alabama, you already dominate all of that from an sec standpoint. So it doesn't really bring a whole lot to the table from a, uh, a marketing standpoint, I think it does add a lot of value if you've got a, two teams that could be top 10 because that's what you're selling to TV partners is quality of inventory. And if the quality of your inventory includes number three Clemson and number 12 Florida State, I don't know why that wouldn't be valuable. So I think they, if we're talking about adding four more teams, maybe six more teams to the SEC, then I think Clemson and Florida State are absolutely involved in that conversation. I don't think they're the top target because they do not add a new recruiting footprint to the to the SEC fortress that is Texas to Florida. Miami's an interesting one because it walks talks and acts a lot more like a Big 10 school. It is way more like it's a private school with a football stadium 30 miles away from campus. It's very good academically. It is a 
very expensive school. It acts a lot more like a Big Ten school. I think the Big Ten would be brilliant to go deep into Florida and try to put a foothold, you know, behind enemy lines, so to speak, and get a hold of Florida. I don't know if Miami comes into the SEC. That one doesn't feel right to me, but maybe I'm wrong on that. To me, it's Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Clemson, Florida State, and then probably Oklahoma State or maybe West Virginia. Like those would be the other ones that could maybe bolster the football playing. So I don't I don't know about Miami. That's a tricky one. If you look at it from the SEC fans' perspective, who out of all the te- – we talked about five different teams. How would you rank them from an SEC fan perspective of who you think that they would want to see into this conference? We talked about six teams, I guess. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and I think it's the question that no one's really asking, which is what do the fans want? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and it really, that, I, I'm sure it matters some, but I don't think that, you know, that's not what these people are thinking. Of. No, they're, they're thinking about national television ratings and that's right. it. And, and corporate sponsor partnerships and everything. But like when you go from LA to Rutgers, Piscataway, New Jersey, now in one conference, you've, you've nationalized the product and it's no longer this charming regional thing that we used to fall in love with. The SEC still dominates down here. I mean, I, I, I think the, the Clemson and Florida state are pretty obvious. Like what would, 25 years from now, what could be a great conference rivalry? Auburn and Florida State? Yeah, that would be freaking sick. Like, that'd be great. Clemson and South Carolina already play. Would Clemson and Georgia have a lot of history? So I, I they're the best programs to add if you're trying to add Texas and Oklahoma-ish type of brands. I just don't think that's their... I think the SEC is totally fine being at 16 for like the next five or 10 years. Like, I don't think they are looking to be quick on this. I think they're going to take their time, be very strategic and very careful and select probably one or two teams. And then if it seems like we're headed towards this 25 team type of deal, then I could see them bringing in Clemson and Florida state. I don't think Virginia tech and North Carolina do a whole lot for like the fans necessarily. Um, I think Oklahoma state would be great for the fans. I think there's a lot of Mike Gundy hate from Tennessee fans. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, I think West Virginia, you know, walks, talks, and acts like an SEC school. I think there's a lot of potential there for them to fit very well in the SEC. So I think there's a lot of really good teams that would fit. Um, I, you know, North Carolina and Virginia Tech are almost almost too academically inclined. <laughs> but I, I, Clemson and Florida State, it's hard to argue with Clemson and Florida State and the types of games and rivalries that those two would create. Can you imagine Miami players going in November and December to – Michigan and Ohio and play these football games in the snow. Well, how about how about UCLA playing a a, a road baseball game in March Oof. in Rutgers? Oh man, what are we That'd talking about? Yeah, this is <laughs> this is it's so it's just such an insane thing to think about because yeah. then you got you know teams like you know I call it the mutual reconstruction, but the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are pretty much right now with the teams that they've lost like the Mountain West Conference. I mean, they're 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 filled with nobodies, and you almost think that they're going to have to form their own conference just to survive and try to put on the uh, airs like they can compete, right? I mean, I, can, I can they persuade Clemson, Florida State, Miami yeah. to join their team? This this whole like Pac-12 ACC alliance is complete horseshit. Like it's complete, it's just total nonsense. Well, how how important was the first alliance? This is right. two alliance, two furious. Like it's just it's terrible. It's like another. It's a not even a good idea. It's not it's not even feasible. It's not going to do anything for you. I don't understand it at all. Um, I, I do think that the Big Twelve Pac-12 combination could be a way to sort of save the western part of the United States from becoming irrelevant in college football. 
if you can keep Oregon and Washington down in the Pac-12. If they can, you know, circle the wagons, close ranks, and keep those 10 teams together, and then they can come to an agreement with the Big 12 to maybe merge and form their own superpower, I think you can counter-program the big boys. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna say that Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, USC is sort of like corporate college football, I think there's a lot of space to counter program and market yourself as like we're still the charming league, and you get to watch Washington, Washington State, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and BYU, you know TCU and Baylor. Like these are good Kansas, Kansas State. Like these are good rivalries that the diehards care about that the national broadcasters don't care about. So I still Call it think the big pack. What do you think? Yeah. Or big the West. Pack. Yeah. The Western conference. Like I don't, yeah. you know, like something like that. I, I like the big pack. That's kind of cool. Um, I just think there's a, I think there is a spot to counter program big business here as a marketing ploy for somebody in college football. I just think you could do that. And it's kind of like you have your Walmart, but then you can have your TJ Maxx. Yes. I, or, or how about this? a, your regular old American draft light beer versus a hazy IPA. Yeah. Hazy IPA is not for everybody, but the diehard Oregon state fan likes it. (laughs) You know what what I mean? Like, and so I I think there's a, and again, if you fall in love with college football, I'm 30, I'm technically I'm 40 today, actually. Um, Oh, well, happy birthday. Yeah. I don't like telling people, but I I just, you didn't have to, I didn't, I didn't, I know, but I, I started by saying I'm 39 and then I realized I was lying to you. <laughs> so, so I'm not anymore, which sucks, but whatever. I, I would have been like the ESPN fact checkers. You could have told me any age and I would have just believed you. Like they believe Jeffrey Simmons is 26. Right, right. Listen, I'm fine. It's okay. I'm doing great. Don't ask any questions about how my mental state is. It's it's wonderful. Don't worry about it. Um, but I grew up, point is, is I grew up on college football in the early 90s. And I fell in love with college football because I was watching like Wisconsin and I was watching you know, Arizona state with Jake Plummer in the nineties. And I was watching, like, I fell in love with college football because of that stuff. Not because Alabama won 97 championships. Like that's, I, you know, I fell in love with Tennessee when I went to school there in the sec, but like, I love watching the going into the Grove and watching a a five and six Ole Miss team as much as I love watching 12 and O Alabama. And I'm curious if we are alienating all of the people like me who grew up on that game, if there's not going to be another generation of fans like that, what does that do to the health of the sport? I think it's bad for the game. Yeah, well, you still have Pac-12 after dark. I mean, that that still can be a thing, right? And that's what kind of people have been looking at and stuff. That that is the that is the counter programming. Like, what are the things you need to do in marketing to be different? You have to differentiate yourself, right? And to do that, if you're the Pac-12, you need a TV partner that's different. So CBS is just sitting there waiting because they've got all the money and no partnership. You've got a time slot that is perfect for for everybody, right at right in that you know, eight, 9 PM central time. And you've got a bunch of teams that are still kind of charming. Like, I think that's all part of the counter programming strategy that I would deploy if I was working for the PAC 12, like give me CBS's money, give me late night start times. And let's sell the shit out of that fact that we are not corporate. We are, we're, we're the little guy. Come watch us. We still play for the love of the game. You know, that kind of thing. Even if it's not true, like (laughs) just, just sell it like that. Isn't this all going to basically, this is all a long con is like how I like to refer to it in that they are building these power two conferences. Okay. And it's basically to force a college football playoff expansion by taking four teams from one conference, the top four teams of other conferences and doing an eight team tournament. What do you think? I, this is the ultimate question here. Like this is the thing. Because we've been talking about all, it's all about money and all about this. And that seems to be the way to drive income and revenue. This is the thing that I don't know 
if the people making decisions have the right calculations on or not. If it is an SEC Big Ten only playoff, is that more interesting, more marketable, higher rated TV than if you had the entire country involved? And I don't, I don't know where that that is this that is the the point in the road that we are at. That is the fork right now, which is we're either going to end up with two super conferences that have their own playoff, and it's going to cut out eighty of the one hundred and thirty one teams. Or we're going to maybe have four super conferences and be at 65 or 70 teams. And then it's going to feel more recognizable, if that makes sense. So that that to me is the only thing left to be decided here, which is the college football playoffs is going to expand. Is it, is it expanding to include the entire country? Or is it expanding to, to include just the Big Ten and the SEC? And that is that is, to me, the only big picture thing you have to know before you can decide everything else. And and I don't know where we're he- I hope to God, Zach, we are headed to a 70-team breakaway where we have four conferences with automatic bids and 12 teams and the whole country is represented. I hope to God that's where we're going. I am concerned we are going towards a Big Ten SEC only type of AFC NFC breakaway that's only like 44 teams. But isn't that still basically the whole country being represented? You have your West, you have your East, you have your South, you have your North, your Midwest, your uh Texas. I mean, you have it all. It's only the top twenty percent, though, of all those regions, and it's not very much west of the of Texas, frankly, because it wouldn't include Colorado, Utah, BYU, Washington State, Oregon State. Right now, it doesn't include Oregon or Washington. Oklahoma State wouldn't be involved in that type of breakaway right now. West Virginia, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, Louisville. Like I can keep going with really meaningful football programs that would not be involved. And, I, but they haven't been involved anyway. Uh, what I mean, outside mean? of Oregon and Washington and Cincinnati, you, the, this, these other people haven't really been involved. Louisville, Pitt, all those other. So people. this is the great debate here, because are you telling me you don't care about the Big 12 championship game last year? Because it involved two teams that were ranked in the top 15 that would not be a part of this breakaway. Baylor and Oklahoma State. Pittsburgh and Wake Forest. Played. I know. I don't care about Big 12. I'm and, an and SEC you, guy. And you, and you may not, but you, as an SEC fan. You, Did either of those guys make the college football playoffs last year? No, but that's this is the point. You cannot continue to alienate 60% of the, the geography of this country and ha- and have the same health. That's like simple economics. Like you cannot consolidate everything into this tiny little thing and expect to grow your audience and grow your, your ratings. Like I love the SEC. We're always going to watch SEC games. But what makes college football healthier and the SEC by default is to have a lot more stuff involved, to, to have it spread out geographically, to have the entire country involved in the playoff and invested in the product, because then you're opening up your, your markets tenfold. Like there's, you know how many people are in Mississippi? Like nine, like there's more people in Chicago than there are in the state of Mississippi. So if we're talking about marketability and sales and TV ratings and dollars, like I, I just think there's a tipping point for just SEC content. Well, just that, raise future generations to pick better football teams. That that's hey, how, how do you do that with somebody with like again with the nine million people in Chicago? How do you tell them to how do you tell them to do that? <laughs> hey, listen, Notre Dame can easily join the Big Ten, and then there you go. All right, okay. Just skipped over all the schools in Illinois. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, they're they're none they're none of them are important. They're not important. Oh, see again, this is what makes you an NFL fan and me a college fan because I because <laughs> I love Northwestern Illinois at Soldier Field. And I could, I, it's, it's impossible for me to watch like a Jets Eagles game. <laughs> well, see, I can't watch a, 
unless I have fantasy football involved, I can't watch a Jets Eagles game. I'm, I'm to that point, but I'm definitely like, I think it's just such a neat niche market, niche market for these other games that, you know, the problem is you can love those games still, but they're there. It doesn't matter how much you love them, Braden. They're still not going to be good. Well, the, well, that's different. Again, that's good's not the the right word. Uh, viewed is probably a better word. Popular is a better word. They're not going to be popular. But don't tell me that Baylor and Oklahoma State weren't good football teams last year. They were great football teams last year. They were top ten football teams. They played the best championship game of of any team, every any conference in America. I mean, again, Arizona State, Washington State, like the history of these these programs with great players and going to Rose Bowls, like there's too much there there for it to just be discarded and not have an impact on the on the product. So I think your point is valid. Like those games are not highly viewed. They're not popular. They're still happening and you could still watch them. I just, I think there's a ripple effect back to the SEC and the Big Ten if you eliminate everybody. And Greg Sankey said this. He said, I want to, I'm trying to expand the playoff to include the entire country for the betterment of the product. That is what he said all along. And he threatened everybody with it, and nobody freaking listened to him. And then they called your bluff and said, "All right, fine. If you're going to make us do this, we'll take Texas and Oklahoma. Fine." Well, I mean, they took them, and I, I look at it like this: I feel like the regions of the country are going to be represented. Maybe not by every school that's there, but they're going to be represented by the good schools. And, and that—that's the calculation here. Like that is yeah. exactly the calculation. Is if I'm ESPN and I'm Fox and I'm in charge of all of this and I'm going to make all the money on this, right? Well, my calculation is I am banking on more casual fans watching bigger games than more diehard fans watching a lot of other stuff. Yeah. And that, that is the, that's the, that's their calculation right now. And I don't necessarily, I think they're right for right now. I think there is a saturation point coming that people are going to be t- like, again, you look at the ratings for the Alabama Ohio state national title game and they were down. Like it, it, those are two of the biggest brands in the world playing a fairly decent football game. And it, it was about the same viewership as Baylor and Gonzaga in the basketball championship game. So it, it is, I am concerned about the oversaturation of the big boys and losing all the charm that made the sport popular in the first place. That, that is a concern for me. And that yeah. includes, that includes Kentucky and South Carolina and Arkansas. How are those guys going to win a damn thing? If Texas, Oklahoma, Clemson, and Florida State are in the SEC, like they're never going to win anything. They haven't really won anything anyway. So let's move on and talk about <laughs> the Tennessee Titans' war on nerds. And this uh, comes from uh, Thomas Dimitrioff's uh, podcast where he's going around the nation interviewing GMs. He's former GM of the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, PFF Kevin Cole, pro football focus Kevin Cole, he actually pulled the clip and put it to a video, and we have the video so you can judge for yourself. Where we are with analytics, is there, a, is there a nice fine line on being on the front end of the curve in your mind? Do you think that's your responsibility to make sure that you're open-minded to it? However, you're still very cognizant of not getting over your skis, so to speak. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's one, that's one thing you know, with, with social media and the digital age and everything mm-hmm. is so, you know, sometimes it drives me crazy. Um, with all the stuff that gets set out there and everybody's an expert and um, it, it, you're right. And, and we incorporate some analytical data into some of the decisions that we make. But I mean, I'd say 90% of the decisions we make is we, we put the film on and we watch the guy play football. Mm-hmm. Like, cause at the end of the day, that's what it's about. Like, does, does the guy play football pretty good? I mean, you're hiring the guy to play football. Um, 
not look at a bunch of numbers and you know, and all that. Now, there's a part of that that plays into that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to say like I'm some 1960s you know, GM here. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. But there's a balance there. And at the end of the day, like, keep coming back to you, put the film on, and does the guy good at playing football? If the guy's good at playing football, then you try to get that guy on your on your team. If he's on your team and he's good at playing football, his position, then you want to try to keep him around. If he's not, you're going to find somebody to replace him. So whatever the numbers say and the metrics say, you know, at the end of the day, the, the film and the evaluation of what he actually, how he does his job is, is probably the most important thing. The so, nerds. Oh my <laughs> gosh. They went crazy. Well, I want, I want to set you up to, to, to run and really explore the studio space on this because I have my own. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel in there? You feeling I good? Like still? I like it. I kind of want to do all my shows from inside this room. Couple of here couple at the of, Kais Collective in the heart of Music City, downtown Nashville. There you go. Music of course, we're here on a football show brought to you by the Kingston Group, uh, buildkg.com. Um, so I, I've got questions for you here. And first of all, Thomas Dimitrov is a kind of an odd looking fellow. Just op- random observation. Yeah, he looks like uh, the Joker from the Adam <laughs> West. Um, yes, he does. That's or a, or the rat from Fievel. That's a very, <laughs> I haven't heard a Fievel reference in a long time. Fievel goes west. There um, you go. Look at that. So also, uh, niche and niche. If you say niche, are you you sound like a normal person, but you're wrong. If you say niche, you sound like an asshole. But yeah, you're right. I hate I hate that word. Is that the right yeah, analysis? Yeah, you're you're correct. Okay. All right. So just speaking of nerds, I just want to get that that out of the way. So when you when you heard the comments, did you break them up into any specific category of observation? Because I feel like there's a social media observation that makes John Robinson sound like an old man yelling at clouds. And it's just also his own fault because he never lets any information out. Or did you, and then the analytics conversation, like, do you see two d- separate comments from John Robinson in that? Yes and no. So the overarching theme is that nerds need to shut the fuck up on social media. <laughs> now, the, the, to split in the two, he's com- not necessarily, he's complaining about your armchair analysts who all they do is look at the numbers and analytics, your football outsiders who have never played a lick of football in their life. You can look at them on their live stream. They look like substitute teachers. They, when one of them wears a beret, it's, it's hideous. I hate it when it pops up on my timeline. The, the whole, and the, all they did was talk about, you know, how shitty the Titans were, even though the Titans are going 12 and five. And that's what all anybody ever talks about when it comes to the Tennessee Titans. When they look at their analytics and their numbers, the this Titans team constantly sucks. They're probably only going to win five games. That's why I feel like we they say every year. And because they suck and because they go against the grain of what their numbers tell them that should happen in a given game, they're, they're mad. They hate, they hate the Titans. So I, I feel like the first time I heard this, I agreed. Because the draft and analytics, which is technically what he's talking about, he's specifically talking about looking at the tape, drafting players, pretty much. And they want football players that will come in and play football. Numbers on a data sheet aren't going to tell you that. You're, now, talking about, you're talking about combine metrics. Well, it, well, right? They, you know, PFF puts out this great NFL draft guide and they have like slot percentages or whatever. You know, when people, when PFF goes in and grades, a, t- a draft they're looking at their analytics they're saying you know oh this guy's got the most man coverage snaps and this guy will fit this way that's useful as an ancillary product and that's what he's saying right i mean he's saying isn't that football football comes first your n- data comes second but so i guess uh, 
I think you kind of, I mean, I think that's exactly what any coach would yeah. pretty much tell you. I think everyone needs to back up on this, first of all, and define what analytics means. Yeah. Because in a scouting sense, there's a difference between combine 40 time metric hand size placement, blah, 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 versus like you're talking about like slot percentage snaps and reps or whatever, third and long or whatever, which is football. Like that is, those are, that's not separate from football. You get those numbers because of, wait for it football <laughs> being played. And so I think you need to define, like when you hear the word analytics, I think we need to define that term because it's different for combine. It's different for on field in game decision-making, right? There's, there's, there's odds percentages, which is different than like medic medic right. medicinal is not the right word. And which medical. is where they, the Titans can improve and use analytics more is in those situations. That's where, on a football and other F words where it could be had on any podcast platform across the universe, the multiverse, me and Mike have, well, I can't say multiverse. I really don't know what don't believe the in other it? Zach, what the other Zach's are doing in those. They may not all be doing podcasts. <laughs> they're, they're just nothing but hot take artists. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, they we're all different. The, <laughs> the thing though, is that me and Mike and Lebowski have all talked about at different points in times, the need for usage of analytics in a game. I don't care about analytics really when looking at a draft prospect. And I think that his approach is the way to go because there's so much more to it than numbers when you go into and watch film, right? I mean, I get the use of analytics when you're talking about data, whether to go on fourth and short or fourth and long and all this stuff. I'm all about that kind of stuff because those are probabilities and numbers and all that. You can't predict what a player is going to do based on the numbers alone. And and he's not saying that he doesn't use some analytics when making these decisions. We don't know what his definition of analytics is. I don't know if he thinks that it's just punching stuff into a calculator or if it's just, you know, an Excel spreadsheet or something. I We don't know, right? We don't know what their definition of analytics is. And we can sit here and define our definition of analytics all day long, but ultimately we're talking about comments someone else made. and. I, I feel like that the nerds just totally disregard. I, th- I feel like a lot of people read the tweet and didn't r- listen to the clip. I think yeah, first I off, we can I think we can all guarantee that probably 70 percent of people just read the tweet that's and it. started writing their replies. That's analytics right there. I mean, that's yeah. analytics right there. That's I, I just anal- analytics. analytics all over that. So I, um, here's the thing. I agree with you and I agree with John Robinson. So I don't I think people overreacted on this. If you are talking about scouting a human being. That is, and, and if you pull analytics from their college career, that's just their football playing. Right. That just that just helps you confirm or deny what you see on tape. Yeah, if you're I'm not about- really sure what analytics you would use besides st- 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 statistics, which I guess is analytics. But are we really right. saying that this is some brand new science? So I, I think what happens is, and much like with everything with Robinson and Rabel, they kind of lean into the trolling side of their personalities when it comes to this stuff. Clearly, he like hates social media, which, again, I think that's the one part that makes him sound like the old man sitting on a porch yelling at people to get off his lawn. I, I think he's dead right. I think 90% of what you decide, if not more, should be decided on your instincts, your trusting of your tape, your your eyes, your evaluation. And oh, by the way, ha- conversations with the guy, <laughs> like right. talking to a player. What are you what do you care about? What do you love? What are you passionate about? Projecting a human being is totally different than you know, medical science and metrics on like heart rate and, you know, how a player practices once they get to camp versus on-field decision-making. Like to me, you have to define analytics. And I think analytics are 
fairly silly, if not just partially useful in scouting. I think for building a football team and managing a football team, it is a useful tool that should be used to make smart judgments. Like that, I, I, that is what it is. I feel like, and I'll end on this. I feel like the term analytics has been just defined in the last two years. Like, like I feel like the people, even though analytics has been around for preach, I don't know, since math has been, been around, Aristotle, I feel like the, the Aristotle, nerds have Aristotle. taken it over and act like we invented analytics. Well, PFF, we invented analytics and nobody was using <laughs> analytics before us. Bullshit. That's not how math works. You guys did not invent math. You did not invent the science of looking at stats, looking at the film and coming to a conclusion. You did. I, you guys did not do that. Yeah. Bill and Bill James gets credit for it in baseball, right? Like everybody kind of right. gets credit for popularizing it. I think that football is the trickiest game because the sample sizes are bizarre and there's so many moving parts that it's hard to take data and quantify it onto a player versus watching a tape and saying, I see a guy that runs faster than a 540 and therefore he's got better recognition skills and then he can get to the play and make tackles. Again, from a scouting standpoint, I totally agree with John Robinson. I think there's been a part of this all along where the Titans didn't hire somebody on purpose and didn't give him that title. And like it became a talking point in the media because... We're all obsessed with the fact that they don't have somebody on staff. Now they got one guy on staff. I guarantee you that they have mathematical equations in their facility that they are using to make decisions. And I think this was uh, from Mensa, the Minnesota GM. He used the phrase empirically mindful. We need to be empirically mindful when we run football teams as a coach during the game, as a GM during practice and development and scouting. I I think it's just a, a very important, useful tool that doesn't decide everything. And that's it. It's it's conflict versus collaboration. It's the old versus the new. And I think John Robinson leans a little old school, but I don't think he's completely ignoring analytics. Do you think he's completely ignoring analytics during his... Absolutely not. No, of course not. I, I just, never thought that. The, the fact that they don't have someone labeled a certain way as a job title to me doesn't mean someone's not doing it. It's just you know more I mean? of an annoyance. Probably 13 different right. people were doing it at the right. given position. Yes, I, I totally agree. So... I, I'm not really sure what the big deal was. <laughs> there is no, no big deal. All right. This show was a big deal though. Oh, huge deal. Huge, huge. Um, okay. Well, I think that just about does it. Um, you are in the cast collective studio. So if you'd like to book a small event space, please check them out. The cast collective.com cast underscore collective on Instagram. Please go to the YouTube page, subscribe, rate, review, do all that stuff. Share the product with a friend. We really appreciate it. F-Words Pod, of course, back here in a couple of weeks, right? Coming back right. soon? Can right. try and come back this week, Tuesday. Oh, oh coming back. Try. I like it. I like Gonna it. Try. Um, and of course, you can check out all the other great podcasts from the 440 Sports Network, Gold Standard, Club and Country. Um, you got Lamestream Sports. You got Fringe Element covering the SEC. All kinds of great stuff going on over there. So uh, subscribe to all those great places. And of course, our great sponsor, the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Uh, next week on the show, We're going to go position by position on the offense and go position by position on the defense and break down the entire Titans roster. So that's what's coming up next week. Otherwise, everybody, have a great and wonderful and amazing holiday weekend. I guess that was last weekend. Have a great weekend, everybody. For Zach, I'm Braden. This has been a football show. (laughs) 